Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we do a thing, even though it's Christmas time or so, and we're tired. On today's episode, it's a couple of itsy bitsy teeny weeny micro games to play obscenely, or not, case by case, as you'll see. It's Like a Rogue and One Page Apocalypse Volume 1 Christmas Fallout. I guess should all acquaintance be forgot, it's System Mastery. Welcome back, John, and everybody, all of our listeners. Hi, everyone. Everything's fine. How are you? I'm not. Everything's fine. Why would you even ask? Yeah, what are you asking for? I'm not sick. I don't sound super sick. My nose doesn't have, like, a softball size amount of mucus in it. Mmm, that sounds delicious. I'm glad you shared that with me. Yeah, it's expanding towards basketball. Same. And always expanding towards basketball. Every time I see basketball, I expand toward it. (laughs) John is slouching towards basketball. (laughs) What rough beast. (laughs) Uh, So seriously, though, how was your Christmas? Everything was pretty good. Uh, Family came out. I have a a new little little niece now. Little niecey. Yeah, I didn't get to see my sister, because she's off in D.C. with a very, very newborn baby. Uh, of course, so you didn't get to meet the niece? Nope. Okay, well, that that's, you know, you'll get there eventually. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, but, you know, glad that my parents were able to come out. All the flying stuff has been fucked up because of the ridiculous winter that everyone but California is having. Yeah, and it's not helping flying over here either my last i checked southwest canceled 100 percent of outbound flights from san diego on monday oh yeah my it was like oh my folks were like oh we managed to get the fuck out of dc this is amazing like wow landed in la and then spent two hours on the tarmac because there was no place to put their plane because no plane was leaving jesus so uh yeah that was uh that was the only real hitch the only hiccup there but a good, nice time with family. Mm-hmm. So, good times. Yeah. System Mastery is sorry if you had to fly this holiday season. Uh, System Mastery is mostly sorry if you have to fly at all. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, it, just ever local. since the pandemic, it's just sort of been shit to fly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, every time I get on a plane nowadays, I'm like, Where, which one's going to be the horror story? Who, what's, what, who's going to be the problem? Yeah, who here is going to be angry about something and make it everyone's problem? So far, I've been really lucky. It, it was pre-pandemic last time I flew and had a real weirdo on my plane. Ah. Remember, we, I, was, oh, I don't know if you were in the... Yeah, you were. You were in the plane with us. We were flying out to Chicago to meet with James that one time. We had that guy on the plane who kept describing how if the government came to his house to collect his daughter he'd have a little something for him oh yeah it was just like it's important that i have guns in case they want to take my daughter for stuff for stuff he kept saying you know like waggling his eyebrows to imply that i guess the government had some horrific daughter stuff planned yeah we weren't sure we never quite got to that level of kind of fidelity in his story of like god bless the person next to him who was just like "Uh uh-huh uh-huh yeah yes yeah, that's the government uh-huh. for you. Yep, that's them, all right. <laughs> They'll definitely come to your house in the middle of urban uh, out parts of Chicago and just be like, "Knock, knock, sir. We need your daughter for government." Yeah, God bless. <laughs> so that was my last time having any kind of real plane problem. Yeah, I haven't really had a plane problem with people so much as you know, 
sometimes you you go oh i'll take a cheap flight and then you realize that it is cheap because they are going to fuck you in every other possible imaginable way yeah they're like oh did you want to bring a checked bag that's money did you want a carry-on bag that's money yep <laughs> did you want a just a small cup of soda that'll be five dollars please and you're like what is this airline? For five dollars, I want the can. And they're like, for the can, you have to fight the weight of the uh, the sky marshal. <laughs> oh god! And the fucking seats that are just like, oh, this feels like being on a local bus. Yeah, the the <laughs> level of padding on this is nothing. Uh, we've replaced all of our airline seats with bike seats, and we've replaced all of our bike seats with just the pole. <laughs> uh we'll get we'll give you the seat if you're in economy plus <laughs> or for an upcharge <laughs> just fucking stewardess walking around a bike seat fifty dollars bike seat <laughs> am i just allowed to poop down this pipe i'm sitting on oh no, no pooping no, is twenty dollars twenty dollars <laughs> you'll need headphones so uh so good but yours was okay, though. Your Christmas was okay. Not your, not your bike seat butthole experience. <laughs> My bike seat butthole experience. <laughs> not great. But Christmas was fine. Good. Uh, it's always nice to see my folks since they moved out, so that was good. And, you know, had a nice, tame Christmas. The only Christmas present I brought with me was for me. Mm-hmm. Because my grandma had given me money and was like, go buy yourself something and put it under the tree. I was <laughs> like, ah, fine. <laughs> That's very nice. Yeah, um, we we had a really short Christmas at my parents' house this year. We, ours with the, at our house was a little longer because we have a million presents for a four year old like you're supposed to. Yeah, but we went to our house. The, their present was that they are buying everybody Disneyland tickets, ah. which is a big gift. Don't yeah. Get, so, but it was really quick. It was like, hey, everybody here, everybody who came to this, you're all getting Disneyland tickets. Nothing to open. Buy <laughs> now. Leave. <laughs> Come back later. We're having tamales, <laughs> which were excellent. Excellent. Yeah, we had this excellent t- uh, tamales and a really good uh, uh, crumble top cherry pie and some f- coconut flan. Good. Oh man, what a what a what a meal that was. Yeah, my anyway. sister uh, always makes stuff during the holidays and made far too much stuff, like to the point where went over to her place after we had Christmas to spend the night. And it was just the entire kitchen covered in various baked goods. Oh, lovely. It was just like, all right, here's a section of sugar cookies. Here's peanut brittle. Here's toffee. Here's fudge-covered Oreos. Here's seven different kinds of other cookies. Here's some Chex Mix I made myself. Like, (laughs) what have you done? Why is there all of this shit? I made four kinds of cookies this year, and then I did nothing with them. I kept being like, I'll take these to the neighbors as they slowly dried to nothing. Oh, yeah. I felt terrible. The reason there was that many there is also because she was like, oh, normally I would give these out to everyone at the office, but no one was at the office, so now I just have a fuck ton of baked goods. Yeah, that happened to me where I was like, I'm baking for the neighbors. They all left. Yeah. (laughs) So... So anyway, you want to talk about some of these uh, some of these micro games, some of these micro wave games? We genuinely just didn't have a lot of time to be doing reading this this uh, two week cycle because of holiday stuff. But you know, we don't like to stop making System Mastery, even though we're now on the monthly system. Yeah, so, we want to give you what you're paying for. Exactly, nothing, so, nothing. You're paying for nothing, and you're going to get it. <laughs> so, but no, uh, we we decided to. Do a micro game review series like we've done in the past. Yes. Uh, with the caveat that the first micro game I picked out turned out to be 40 pages long. So really challenging what my understanding of a micro game is and le- leading us to switch from doing four like we did last time to two this time. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's definitely something where you're like, oh, it's labeled as a micro game 
and it is called One Page Apocalypse, and you're like, ah, great, this will be small. Oh, oops, no. No, it's just based on the one-page RPG system, and they did it 40 times, I assume. (laughs) Also, I love that it's like, oh, it's based on the one-page RPG system, because you have one page, except in this game where you have two pages. I'm like, god damn it. Come on, man. I don't want to denigrate it too much. It's cute. Uh, (laughs) But I was just like, my dude, (laughs) (laughs) it's the one-page RPG system, and you made two pages. My my fella. At least, My brother in Christ, At least why? tell me to double-side print this. <laughs> <laughs> so that I might believe in a bit of Christmas magic. Uh, now, of course, the other one, uh, like a rogue, might not seem like a Christmas-themed one, but I played it during a Christmas uh, gathering, so fuck you, it's Christmas-themed for me now. And the other one might seem Christmas-themed because it says Christmas in its title, but the only connection is that there's cold involved. Yeah, it's just cold. So, uh... So ultimately, our attempt to find microgames that had anything to do with Santa or elves or whatever uh, came up short, which is fine because this is coming out after Christmas anyway. Who gives a shit? Oh, yeah. I mean, the one thing that was like, oh, this one's called Christmas Cafe. Oh, it's actually a roll and write game. All right. Well, sure. I got no problem with roll and writes. I mean, do you want do you want to talk about that? Sure. Go ahead. Tell me. I didn't even read that one. I just bought it because I was like, I'm going to buy a bunch of microgames. Figure it out. I'm, I'm going to go be sick. So a roll and write game... Uh, Usually, uh, if you buy, say, one of the large commercial ones and you buy it at an actual game store, Mm. uh, it'll come with like a giant pad of paper and you get a piece of it and you'll write on that and it's just disposable. Some of them have like the dry erase thing that you'll write on so you can reuse the same. Okay. But it is usually fairly simple. You will generally roll the dice. Whatever they roll gives you your options for what you can do. Mm-hmm. And then you'll write down whatever, like, oh, this rolled a one, I can do the option one, so I'll write down that I did that, and it'll change whatever thing on there. Okay. So in this one, you have a cafe that you are running, and as you get, you do 24 turns, because you're doing the 24 days until Christmas, so you're just doing December until the 24th. Okay. Uh, and An advent calendar of values. Exactly. Yeah. And you go through and you just, as you get more popular, you can sell more stuff and you can buy more things to sell. But it's weird to be a roll and write because the roll is like you've got six different coffees that you can do. Mm -hmm. And for each type of person that comes in, because when you first start, the only people that come in are poor college students. Okay. And then you can get popular enough that like then working uh, parents, and then business people, and then coffee lovers, and then elites will come in. Oh, goodness, elites. And you roll dice for everyone who comes in. Uh, So, like, okay, we'll roll three dice for the college students. Mm -hmm. And whatever they roll is what they want. But college students, at best, will spend $3, which is only two of the six options. So if you're like, I roll for college students, they all roll, like, fives and sixes. Well, they really want some, like, white chocolate or peppermint lattes. They cannot afford them. They get nothing. And I'm <laughs> like, why did they come in, my man? <laughs> Maybe they were hoping for a sale. It's it's a weird thing because the start of the game, everyone starts exactly the same where you just have the only people coming in are college students that have $1 to spend. Okay, so you're just making flat black coffees. Yeah, black coffee costs a dollar, and you can also sell candy canes for a dollar, and... 
it means you're just like, all right, I buy three candy canes for that round because if I don't roll any ones, they don't want black coffee, which means they won't buy anything. But if they have any money left over, any person who comes in will buy whatever the most expensive snack is they can get. Right. So you're just like, all right, round one, I buy three candy canes. I sell three candy canes. Who gives a shit? (laughs) It's just the fact that the beginning rounds are all basically exactly the same. Right. And you have to go gain a popularity at least for two rounds before you can even start getting into another group of people, like working parents coming in. Yeah. So as a roll and write, it just feels weird because you have no options, but it's this very linear progression it as you go through. Roll and writes are inherently single player experiences too, right? No. No? Oh, okay. I, usually, I, I, I get them confused with a lot. At this end of the gaming spectrum, I'm very out of the loop. Well, usually with a roll and write, if you have a lot of people, it'll be like, I have two dice, and you'll roll, and say it's like a one and a five. Everyone at the table would then pick one or five to do as their action. Oh, okay. So, like, whoever's rolling just determines what everyone does that round. All right. And so everyone isn't doing the same thing. You'll usually have, like, two dice so people can pick various things. Mm -hmm. And as you build out your tableau, various things will get better than others. Makes sense. But this doesn't have that, and it feels weird. Like, it's not... The worst game I've seen, like, it's functional, it works, it just feels so linear that a lot of the early rounds, like, your first four or five rounds is like, oh, this is the same for literally everyone. Right, that makes sense. No one's going to have a different time. At a certain scale of games, I start to confuse roll and writes and one-player RPGs and journaling RPGs into kind of just a melange of things I won't do. Yeah, I mean, the to go into it from this... Uh, the one-page apocalypse Christmas Fallout is technically also billed as, like, a roll-and-write. It but says this it is, is on the surface, yeah. Yeah, this is, like, the intersection between roll-and-write and solo RPG. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, the only thing I even own that I would call, beyond this, of course, I would consider a, either one of these things is I have, I believe it's Alex Roberts' Precious Little Animals. Ooh, there you go, Alex Roberts. Our, uh, yeah. Friend of the show and R- professional R- dog correspondent. Yeah, our official uh, Roll and Ride RPG expert. <laughs> Not here with us today. <laughs> but, uh. but that was the only one I own, and it was just because I was supporting the Kickstarter of a friend of the show. Um, although I have read it, and it's, it's fun. I just don't nearly know what to... Uh, it's not in my my genre. I have a I have a pinball Roll and Ride that I really enjoy as a single-player game. Okay, that's fair. But... Uh, it is also capable of being played multiplayer, but the one-page Apocalypse Christmas Fallout uh, is a roll-and-write that is made to be single-player, but has, like, at the very back, an optional rule for playing with multiple people. Yeah, it effectively is a random-rolled dungeon through which you must crawl. Yeah, uh, it's it's it's, it's very... more a dungeon-crawl generator than it is anything else. Yes, uh, but, but should we go into that one first? Is that where you'd like to start? I mean, since we already did the, it's they're written the by the same guy. Yeah, yeah, Christmas Cafe and Christmas Fallout are the same writer. Yeah, which was I, not intentional. I just searched Christmas micro games and bought the first two I could see. Yeah, it just turns out that I think it's Noah something. It is. Yeah, and he lives in Wisconsin. Noah Patterson. Yeah, lives in Wisconsin. Lives in Nebraska. Nebraska seems like a very nice fella. I don't want to. I don't want to rip into two of his games. He did nothing to deserve that. No. Uh, it just happened to be the first two things I searched or got under searching for Christmas micro games. Yeah, you just managed to put out more than one micro game with Christmas in the title, so 
You got in. It's a niche market and you succeeded with it. You did it. Yeah. You sold two games to us. <laughs> you got three of our dollars. Each. I, no, no, I bought them. Never mind. <laughs> no. No, wait. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, why don't we start with that one? What's the, what's the basic premise? Why, uh, why it's his Christmas day. It's his Christmas day. <laughs> then I haven't missed it. No, but. It, the uh, the United States stored a nuclear bomb for research purposes at the North Pole some number of years ago where it just sat up there getting shitty due to weather exposure until finally uh, the changing sea levels and ice issues caused it to slide off of its where it was sitting and explode, destroying most of the land mass of, that was available up there at the North Pole and causing massive sea level rising and radiation and basically just extinction event levels of... Uh, all kinds of horrible shit happening all over the world. Yeah, so the fallout from that uh, caused a basically planet-wide ice age, a huge nuclear winter because uh, all of the particles from this blocked out the sun. So it has gotten extremely cold, uh, but it also just blasted a whole bunch of, like, you know, water vapor from the nuked ice caps mm -hmm. in there. So you get a bunch of irradiated rain and things like that and, and shortly after that you know if that wasn't bad enough yeah you're also you're playing as a as a person living in an apartment in in chicago which means that you're not going to notice the nuclear winter happening for the most part because you'll just be like huh regular winter for chicago huh everything sucks what do you know sucks in, to live here gonna stay in my house Sure wish I lived somewhere cool and not this place. Maybe San Diego. <laughs> Wonderful San Diego. Come here, where it's perfectly normal to make fun of Los Angeles. <laughs> and we all do it all the time. <laughs> uh, God bless. <laughs> so, uh, so where were we? Uh, yeah, so you play in various phases of this apocalypse-level event. Uh, now, hold on, we hadn't get to the other twist of the apocalypse. Uh, of course, I was planning to mention it as one of the twists that happened during the first phase, but sure. Uh, so, in addition to there being a nuclear winter covering basically everything, uh, and everyone as a side effect of this blaming everyone else for it, because, of course, the U.S. did not take responsibility for being the one who set this thing off. Oh, yeah, they're just doing everything they can to be like, it was Korea. Yeah, we definitely didn't do it. China did. It was those shifty and efficient Germans. <laughs> so everyone's fighting everyone else. But it turns out that this weird radiation also brings back the dead. That's fine. You know what? As far as zombie apocalypse origins go, it was a nuclear bomb that went off somewhere is an easy one. Yeah, just saying, like, oh, uh, radiation, radiation brings back the dead. And you're like, sure, whatever. All right, radiation or some shit. You know what? My, my rule for reading through zombie apocalypse role-playing game scenarios now is, like, brevity is the soul of wit when it comes to how, you, how your zombies came back. Yeah, if you if just go, what happened? Uh, there was a disease and it made zombies. Yeah. You're like, great, sold. Yeah. Uh, but so if you try and tell me, like, there was a parasite and it attaches to this specific part of your brain, you're mm -hmm. like... Oh, well, now I can pick that apart. It turns out the parasite was an alien, and the alien was a clone, and the clone was a different alien, and the whole thing happened on the Mayan calendar, and you're like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Just zombies, all right? We're good. <laughs> just give me a, just a real quick and dirty, there was a satellite, and it has Venusian radiation, and that makes the dead come to life. Oh, yeah, that's fine. That's actually a movie one, right? That's Night of the Living Dead, baby! Yeah, Although yeah. I think it's Saturn radiation, but I could be wrong. Yeah, you, pa you pass through the radiation of a comet, I thought it was. And you pass through the tail of a comet and made a bunch of zombies. But that might be a different movie. No, that's a different movie. Yeah. 
That might Boy, be. are there a lot of zombie movies. <laughs> well, there's definitely that. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, in this one, it's just nuclear fallout is causing the dead to come back to life. And when they do, they're zombies. You know, they moan and snap at you. and they're the, It's that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, so they're just regular Chicagoans then. <laughs> yeah, they just, hey, fuck hey. you. This, fuck you, Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> I like how your initial Chicagoan is from New York. Hey, come on! I'm Chicago hey, here. I'm trying to Chicago here. <laughs> I'm gonna go get me a deep dish of slice. You know? <laughs> There's something in the water that makes our bagels here real shitty in Chicago. <laughs> go Chicago Jets! <laughs> Whoo! So our hot dogs are a, basically a salad. Woo, Chicago! <laughs> Why are there three kinds of pickles on these? I don't know. Chicago. Hey. <laughs> so anyway, you play as one of, there's a lot of character classes that are possible in the other volumes. They say there's like a total of 15, but in this game you get three. Yeah. So there are three that come per volume because you have three stats and each class is geared towards one stat. Mm-hmm. So we just have volume one. We didn't get any of the other ones. So nope. we'll just have the ones here. So I don't really, uh, to, to start, the game more or less is like, all right, we're assuming this is a single player game for you. So you're going to need to calculate kind of what the adventure map you're going to be going on is and the, and the perils that are going to be within it. And also you need to build yourself a character. And both of these things are fairly simple to do. Your character has three stats. They're just mind, body, and spirit. Yes, with indeed. The, the only weird thing out of the mind, body, spirit, that beyond what you'd normally hear from us having talked about hundreds of games where mind, body, and spirit were the stat is that Spirit here also controls your ranged weapon accuracy, because it had to do something. Yeah, because they were like, all right, body for melee and regular strength, mind for mental tasks and overcoming stuff, and Spirit is your social, and also guns. And you're like, all right, sure, why sure, not? Sure, I get it. You had to give them something to do. I did find it funny that mind also controlled, and potentially reading, Potentially reading. I'm still not sure what that means exactly. Like maybe reading won't come I into mean, this. May, yeah, in a different volume, you might be like, ah, in volume three, you have to go to a public library. <laughs> Can you read? Does Chicago have a public library? Ah, uh, you don't know the famous Chicago public library? <laughs> it's got two big old tigers out front. And it, everybody loves uh, public library. <laughs> Nothing inside but porn and bear scores. <laughs> this bear is very fat. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so... So you're going to uh, build your character with those three stats. They can range anywhere. You get six points to spend. They can range anywhere between one and three, which means you're either doing two, 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 or one, two, three. Yeah. Now, uh, you will then uh, pick a class. And as we said, the class uh, is tied to one of those stats. Uh-huh. The three and you'll get one extra point in that. So if you pick the construction worker, which is the body class, you'll get a plus one to your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you also each also each one of these class selections will give you a special ability as well. For the construction worker, for example, it's like you can demolition a wall. So when you're making your way through a random dungeon, you can be like, "Hey, this wall ain't here no more." Yeah, it's it's interesting because the whole thing is a randomly generated dungeon for your apartment complex, and so you'll roll and either have like a hallway or a room that you hit as you're going through, and what you roll will determine 
what type of hallway and what direction it's pointing or what type of room and where that's pointing. So the construction worker is basically like, did you randomly roll such that you ran directly into the side of the map? All right, you can smash your way through a different direction and go somewhere else. Yes. So mind the second stat is the bartender class. Yes, bartender class who has streetwise, which uh, when you hit a room, you will also roll to see what room it is Mm -hmm. that you found. And uh, because you are streetwise, when you make a mind check for a room, uh, you can re-roll a failed result once. Yes. Uh, A uh, success is a four, five, or six. Right. And then the spirit class is the police officer, which, you know... Sure, I guess, but... Yeah, because Spirit controls guns, and their power is firing range. So if you fail a ranged attack, you can re-roll it once. Yep, and that's pretty much it. So if you want to make a police officer, you're you're doing Spirit as your primary stat. That'll give you a... Each one of these will give you a plus one to your primary, which means it's possible to get a four in a stat if you use the one, two, three starting array. Yep. And Although I would recommend not doing that. Yeah. Because the game is like, oh, you're going to go through and... The what you encounter is randomized, and there is basically an even split between all of them. So if you're like, oh, I go to an encounter and I put a one in mind, you're like, all right, you have to get through this thing. It takes a mind check. You fucked up. You'd lose. You take four take damage. damage and you don't get through it. You got to keep trying. So, yeah, you really want because each one of your stats just corresponds to that many D6s when you have to roll a challenge of relevance. So if you come into a room and it's like this is a body challenge then you have to roll your stat, uh, your body stat in D6s. Yeah, and you got to get a 4, 5, or 6 to succeed on it. So, eh. Indeed. And almost every room you're ever going to come into is going to have some kind of a challenge. This is a very attrition-based game for the most part. Like, every room has a challenge or a zombie that you have to get away from, and it, it's just a, a game of how long can you survive. It's a resources challenge. So you're going to start with... With stats ranging between 1 and 4 in each of your three stats, you're going to choose one of those three classes. Then you get to choose weapons. The weapons are also based on mind, body, and spirit, so you can only choose weapons that are associated with your stat specialty. Yeah, so you roll 3d6 for how many resources you start with, which is basically this game's currency, and then you can uh, buy a weapon from your type. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think each of them have four different options that you can get. Uh, yeah, and they're cute, cutely assigned to be based on what you're playing as. So if you're playing as a construction worker, they're all like construction worker equipment. You can get and a hammer guns. and a sledgehammer and a nail gun and whatever. Yeah, and if you're a bartender, you can get like a little gun that you keep under the bar for emergencies or a baseball bat. Uh, and then if you're a cop, you can have various cop guns plus you know, my like favorite, a police stick. The police stick, my favorite weapon. I assume they mean a baton, but I'm at the point where I'm like, if they're going to call the baton the police stick, can we go back and call the baseball bat the bartender stick? I kind of wish that that was more common parlance. Don't make me get my bartender stick. <laughs> I mean, I could see someone doing that. Like, I'll go get my bartending stick and yeah. just grab a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'd be fantastic. So, But yeah, uh, police stick instead of baton. And then you choose armor the same way. Armor is based on your class or stat affiliation. So if you're a, a construction worker, you can get... And armor has two effects. It reduces damage that's incoming from zombie attacks, and it also can potentially help when you have to make rolls against how cold it is. Yeah. So um, 
Uh, if it adds to your defense, it's just extra dice you roll in defense. Uh, so you might have like, oh, I'm a construction worker. I can wear a hard hat. Great. It gives me plus one defense, but it doesn't give me any warmth. Like yeah. hard hat's not going to keep me warm. Yeah. Uh, but if I were, say, a bartender, I could have a cool leather jacket, mm-hmm. which is two defense and three warmth. Yeah. They have a concept of a bartender who's like a cool motorcycle dude, it seems. like Yeah, you get leather jacket, gloves, and a fur cap, because that's the coolest thing you could do. In Chicago, yeah, wearing a new Shankia in, in Chicago is practically a de rigueur. You have to. Huh? Um, but And then cops just have, you know, cop clothes. You can have cop leathers. You can have a police helmet or a police coat or police jacket. Mm-hmm. Uh, and anyone can get a gas mask if you want. Yes, and for an additional dollar, you too may have a gas mask. Well, three dollars, because everything three is fucking expensive. Yeah, everything's... Uh, although, to uh, to put it fair, all the weapons and uh, and armor are cheap as hell when it comes to the actual equipment in this game. It's a lot cheaper to find your ha- get your hands onto a police shotgun than it is to get your hands onto a backpack. Yeah, if you want a shotgun, then... You know, you got to be a police officer and you need to spend five resources. Yeah. Oh, man, five out of 3D6. I might not even start with five. But when you go to also buy some items, if you want, which you might also just find during your time scrounging around, (laughs) fucking an antidote, which can bring you back from death without having to make a roll to see if you mutate from the virus, costs ten resources a backpack costs 25 Yeah, it's got that Stardew Valley level of backpack pricing. Hey, do you want this $2,000 backpack? I'm sorry, what is this backpack made of? What does it do? It adds 12 slots to your inventory. It's the only way to do that. Okay, I see why it's so valuable in Stardew Valley, but it still feels weird that Pierre's got it up on a plinth. Like, like hey, behold, the backpack, the most valuable thing in creation. Oh, yeah. And I mean, again, being like, ah, oh, yes, a shotgun is five resources, a bottle of vodka is seven. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's got an interesting concept of resource disparity that's based largely off game balance, but feels silly in practice, where it's like, only, even rarely will you encounter a beer bartender. Oh, yeah, one of, I mean, the cheapest weapon you can get is a broken beer bottle, mm-hmm. and it costs you a resource. I'm like, why am I paying for a broken beer bottle? Well, can you just that find feels that? like trash i found honestly all of the bartender weapons outside of the baseball bat feel like trash you found because they're things like i make a molotov cocktail or i've got a piece of broken glass or some shit i love that the molotov cocktail costs two resources but a bottle of vodka costs seven so i just be like uh i buy a molotov cocktail and i take the rag out take the rag out (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be worse alcohol yeah i'm good Eh, it's it's fine it's the post-apocalypse what do i care Any port in a storm, or <laughs> honestly, any any booze in a storm is fine. Yeah. I wouldn't turn down port. Uh. <laughs> so, so yeah, the, it's definitely a balance-based economy, which makes it for a very funny thing. But there's a reason for that, because the maximum number of items you can carry in this game is equivalent to your body stat times three, and a backpack just doubles that number. Yeah. That's why it's so valuable. And again, another reason why you're like, oh, you should probably have a two and everything to start. Because if you're like, oh, I'll dump body. Like, well, you fucked. You're you fucked. You, you carry, screwed yourself. You can carry three things. Your weapons and equipment or weapons and armor don't count. But uh, but everything else you try and carry does. And yeah. it's amusing to find a person that's surviving the zombie apocalypse that is so weak, but they can only hold three syringes yep. and no further. You're like, baby, I, 
I have three bottles of aspirin, and you better believe I will be encumbered if I get a fourth. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You see, as your body stack goes lower, you don't get weaker. You just become more prone to bad juggling. It's also funny that your resources don't count. So you're like, oh, I'm carrying around 25 cans of uh, food. But if, if I pick up a bottle of aspirin, you know that's going to make me go weak in the knees. <laughs> that's too much, guys. One of my personal favorite outgrowths of that is that uh, if you want to, if you are encumbered, you have to make more rolls at everything and you're worse at everything you do. You're always welcome to use up or put down the equipment. But if you ever put down any equipment for any reason whatsoever, you can write it off because the game says a scavenger will come by and immediately grab it. And there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, well, I'm, I'm minus a die on every roll if I'm encumbered. I'll very quickly put something down so I can fight a zombie. Nope. There was a fucking treasure goblin right behind you. And yeah. the second you dropped that bottle of pills, yeah, that, it just went, whoop. That goofy little Golden Axe campfire music starts playing anytime you put anything down. <laughs> and those little tiny blue guys with the sacks over their backs come running in like, woohoo And you don't even get the chance to boot them. Nope. No chance to get extra stuff from these guys just the <laughs> second you put something down in your zombie-infested, you-are-the-only-one-here apartment building. Uh, someone's like, hey, this is mine, bye! Yeah, I gotta say, this is supposed to be a solo game, right? And there is nothing I find less satisfying than that notion in a solo game, because I can't just be like, fine, I'll turn my whole game into catching scavengers. I'm just going to put my equipment down and stand there with a harpoon. <laughs> that's my new That's my new plan. Nope. Turns all, out scavengers I, are invincible and I, fast as light. I just put all of my gear down in bear traps. What happens? And I'm like, who am I impressing? I guess just me. Yeah. Never, never mind. This Good is, job. You did it. <laughs> I played myself. <laughs> so... So that's that's why I don't like these solo games. Yeah, I I only play RPGs so that I can press other people with how shitty I am. <laughs> exactly. Uh, now, uh, if you do have too much stuff, this has a whole base building mechanic in it. So you can go store stuff at your home base, whether that is your own private, like I found a little area and I just hole up by myself, or you could be part of a survivor's compound uh, both have their sort of strengths and weaknesses, but you can store stuff in between because this isn't just a, oh, you finish the one thing and you're done. Uh, this is like, you can keep going back and doing randomly generated dungeons. So you're like, yeah. oh, this whole game until you get a different volume of one page apocalypse is you rating various apartment buildings yeah so there's a die rolling generator and a grid that it comes with that make up the two of the one pages of this game uh that is basically the randomly rolled dungeon it's a big grid that you fill in by rolling dice for hallways and rooms yep and, and then as every you go you'll find zombies or obstacles weird shit there uh, it's a, a, it's either a zombie or an obstacle and then sometimes also an item or a special item yeah, and then uh, some rooms are very special rooms. There are 12 different rooms, although the 12th room, you can't 
get until the end of the game. Yeah, basically, the 12th room always has requirements for what it takes to get into it. If you roll it randomly, you just go down to the next lowest room that you haven't done yet. Uh, unless you happen to be like, oh, yeah, I have proceeded to the bottom floor of the apartment building, and I have the magic key, and, and I have the blessing of the turtle shaman. Now I'm allowed to do the thing. Well, yeah, the the 12th room is just the lobby where you can leave, but first yeah. you have to get down, down to the lobby and also find the keys to unlock the door because mixed in randomly with all the zombies and weird detritus of this apartment building are some, like, government quarantine officials that are trying to stop you from leaving as well. Yeah, basically faceless guys in hazmat suits that will try and stop you from going anywhere, and if you try to press the issue, they'll beat the shit out of you with sticks. Yeah, and then send you back to your apartment, and then you can leave from there again. You can start over again, like you just got caught in a stealth challenge. Yeah, it's just, oh, well, now I have to basically restart my randomly procedural dungeon. Yeah. I'm doing a full <laughs> roguelite. <laughs> Yeah, the thing I found the most curious about this game was that almost everything you do has an associated role or two or three associated with it that are universally fairly punishing to you. Like, if you every night when you come back to either what type of shelter, you have to roll 2d6 on a, uh, on a chart to see what shit happened to your shelter while you were gone, like horrible winter winds damaged it, or a teenager came by begging for food, or zombies got in there. And a lot of the time, it just leads to you getting kicked out of your shelters. Yeah, I mean... There's, it's weird because the, the two options of you can either have, you know, you go it alone or you go into a survivor camp and the main things with that is, oh, if you go it alone, uh, you keep everything you find. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all of the resources and everything are yours. If you want to stash anything at your base, it's free. It's, it doesn't cost you anything. Whereas if you are part of a survivor camp every time you go out and do one of these randomly generated dungeons and come back you have to give 10 percent of what you found to them if you want to store an item it costs you resources to do that mm -hmm. and the the events are bigger so like if winter storm damages your private apartment it'll do like 1d6 resources worth of damage but if you uh if, you, if it happens to your big base where other people live it'll do 3d6 well the big thing is when you're doing it on your own, your own base camp, you have to spend resources to gain a safety stat. Mm -hmm. And it's five resources per one. And, like, every single thing that can happen to your place is like, oh, it's a, at least a D6 of safety loss. Yeah. So you have to spend a shitload just to keep even. Because if you ever go to zero or less, then you're just, you know, wandering homeless until you find a place to be. Yeah. The... Uh, camp starts at 25 safety. Yes. So you're like, oh, good. Even if something ridiculous happened, like, oh, there's a storm and it does a D6 safety damage. Like, that's fine. It's, it's a fucking 25 safety thing, and I can still spend resources to up the safety here. Yeah. But you start at fucking nothing for your own home base, so it's almost like, yeah, go join some compound until you get enough resources to build your own and then go do that. So there is, there are a couple other stats we haven't gotten to yet. Uh, one of them is initiative, uh, which in this game is very straightforward. It's a solo game, so you're always just going to be rolling off initiative against a zombie that you're fighting or a pack of zombies that you're fighting. And if you have initiative, you go first at all times if possible. If they have initiative, they go first at all times. Uh, there's also health, which is equivalent to your body and spirit. Added plus 10. To, plus 10. Uh, 
So that can give you anywhere between 12 and 16 for your starting starting health. Uh, there is also an infection score, because everyone is at least a little infected by the radiation that is cascaded over the world. You start with a D6, but it can go up rapidly, and it, it comes into play every time you try to do anything uh, infection-related. You have to roll an infection check, and any one that comes up on the your infection score in dice that you have to roll, plus the cold value of the room you're in in dice, you roll all of them, and any well, one... The, the infection is... A bonus and a penalty. It's both things. Yeah. Because you do get to use infection as sort of the one way to get around if you have a shitty score, because you can use infection on a one-to-one, uh, spend it to get dice. So mm-hmm. if you're like, all right, here's a challenge. Uh, I've got to, you know, fucked up and put a one in one of my scores. I'll spend two of my infection points and get two dice to do this roll. Hopefully I'll get past it. Sure. But every time you do anything involving infection and you spend infection points you then make an infection roll uh it is a number of dice equal to how many infection points you spend plus however cold it is there is a chart for every time you check a room it gets colder basically Mm -hmm. uh up to i think a maximum of four is the coldest it can be Mm -hmm. uh so a number of dice that is you know Maybe, depending on how much you spend, you could be like, I'm rolling 10 dice. Any ones deal damage. Yeah. The other thing Infection can do is grant you mutations. Uh, they said that in later volumes, mutations will be a thing that you can start with, but in this game, the, the, the best you can hope for is to acquire one over the course of play. Uh, the mutations are just abilities that you have to pay Infection points to activate to accomplish little abilities on the side. Now, this is probably the most confusing thing in this for me because when you get a mutation they're like oh you can get one of six uh when and you get a mutation basically if you fuck up an infection check or you get super close to dying Uh uh-huh you might mutate but when you roll you're like okay roll a d6 get that mutation if you ever roll the same mutation like you already have it you just die because you become so mutated, you're just a monster now. Right. But all of them have things like, oh, you could get claws. And it means now, instead of an unarmed attack being shitty, you can do an unarmed attack that does two damage. Great. But it costs one infection to use. It costs an amount of infection to use equal to the value it states. So, for example, if you want to... Ar- well, yes, claws are armor. one infection. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, but you could, if you want to get like tough skin, which adds 2d6 to defense rolls, it costs three infection, but it doesn't say how long this lasts. Yeah. We're both kind of presuming it has to last like the room you're in at least. Yeah. It has to at least be an encounter because otherwise tough skin being like, oh, you add 2d6 to a defense roll for three. I'm like, I could spend two and add 2d6 to a defense roll. Yeah. So it has to last for at least an encounter. Yeah, otherwise it's straight up worse than just spending your infection points willy-nilly anyway. Yeah, you may as well just spend them one for one on D6s. Why ever use your mutation? Yeah, so they're of dubious provenance. For a book that's this long, they didn't bother to explain how to ma- how to track their, uh, their efficacy, so I'm not sure what to do with them. Yeah, I mean, it just needed at least one sentence that's like, Activating this lasts for a room or a scene or something, whatever it is. Yeah. Just to let you know that it's not like, oh, you're paying every time you want to use this. Right. 
And I don't know, that's pretty much it. After that, you're, I mean, there's the different types of zombies you can encounter, but they're not that dramatic. They're basically just roaches, rats, slow zombies, fast zombies, ranged zombies, and ranged and melee zombies, and those are the types. Yeah, now, each of them have a level, yeah, uh, which ranges from 0 to 3, mm-hmm. and that's important because when you go to fight a zombie, you will take your stat, Mm-hmm. Minus. Minus the level that you are fighting. Yeah. So even if you are like, oh, I've got a four in something. If you fight the most powerful one, the Rager, which is someone who isn't actually a zombie yet. They're just infected and fucked up. Yeah. And they're just hucking shit at you and trying to bite you, which I find hilarious that the shit they huck at you is damaging. At least the other zombie that was ranged, the coffer was like it's coughing its phlegm all over you. So that, you know, I get that. That's infected goop. But this guy's like chucking staplers and shit at you. Just hucking things and clawing. (laughs) But the Rager is a level three. And the game at least says you can never roll less than one die on a check. But if you were at zero or below, then you no longer get a success on a four, five, or six. You have to get it on a six. Yes. Even if you add dice onto it. So if I'm like, oh, I've got a three in melee... I'm fighting a ranger, a rager that's a three. I'm at zero. I'm rolling. I go to one. I'll spend two infection to go to three dice, but now I still need a six on those. Yeah, that was one of the the meaner caveats in the game is even if you spend infection points to buy dice back up, you're still rolling for sixes if your base die pool was a zero. And God, it feels like you don't have a lot of options outside of spending infection to get better because no, if you. You also roll not only randomly for what zombie you fight, but also how many there are. And I just kept looking at things like, dude, if you get a level two or three and there are multiple of them, you are fucked. Yeah, and it's like, you know, it it really should just say if you encounter a two or three, go back to the containment room and start over. You know, it's a solo game. You're not missing out on much. Just start anew. Because they do, like, the coffer is a level two that does fucking four damage and has six health. Like, even a shotgun does five, so you can't even hope to, like, oh, well, I'll kill one of these before they get to me. Nope. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird. It feels like it's an uh, unreasonably punishing game. Like, I get where they're going for them. They want it to be, you know, it's an apocalypse scenario. You're playing alone. It's not likely you're going to live through it. But a lot of the stuff you encounter when you're making your way through the game's procedurally generated dungeon that it uses as the sample is like, oh, you come to an elevator shaft. You can try and yeet yourself across to the other open door on the other side of the elevator shaft. Don't know why you'd want to do that. You could probably just go down to the hallway and find another way around. But it's a hard check, and if you fail it, you fall to the bottom of the elevator shaft and take 46 damage. Well, Those it's d6 per level you drop. Right, yeah, that's, that is correct. But you can take up to 46, and you're like, you have 12 health, maybe 12 maybe. to 15 health. You're not going to survive your 46 fall roll. And the same thing goes for any time you encounter a hole in the floor. You're like, oh, if you want to go down the floor and you come to a hole in the floor, you can just huck yourself down there. You're going to take a D6 damage. And I'm like, well, what if I have a really high body stack? Can I, like, climb down or no. can I throw something in there to cushion my fault? No. No, you don't understand. This is procedurally generated. Either you ignore the hole or you take a D6 damage. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the game does have a sneak option. So if you roll and you're like, oh, there's a shitload of, like, level two guys in this room you can try and sneak away from them without fighting yeah the problem is it is also a check it's a mind check to do this and it's but you are also reduced by the level of the zombie yeah so they're likely very likely to spot you anyway and then if they spot you you gotta fight them yeah and you can try and run 
every round, but it's also another thing where you're like, it's a sneak check. All right. I still have to roll a fucking mind to roll against their zombie level. And I'm still probably going to fail and have to keep fighting. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a very punishing game. Yeah. They're, they're definitely, you know, in, in a very roguelike kind of thing, there are definitely times where you're like, oh, I'm just going to fail this. Yeah. Like this just won't work. Yeah. And you'll have to start over. So there you go. That's more or less the contents of uh, uh, the One Page Apocalypse Volume 1 Christmas Fallout. Yeah. Uh, but we should we have a little bit of time left. We should definitely get to Like a Rogue, the other game. This one is a much more of an actual micro game. It is one page long. Yes, indeed. So it's going to take a lot less time to get a description of. It is the story of exploring a library dungeon uh, that has been that's ruled by a vocabulary calamity. Yeah, so what happened is... There was a, basically, a wizard stole all the words from things. Yes. Uh, so you are on a quest to go get the Lexicon and Nomicon. It's a great name, by the way. Love it. I might have skipped it to Lexonomicon, but I get what they were going for, and yep. I'm fine with it. Uh, and so you're going into the Forbidden Library to try and get it. And the whole thing is based on essentially getting random letters and coming up with either actions or items that start with that letter. Yes, and then rolling to see if that succeeds. Unless you come up with a word that'll straight up end that encounter perfectly. Yeah, so uh, basically the the general idea is you'll get, you know, however many people together. There is no set game master. Instead, everyone, each level of the Forbidden Library you go down, a different player will be the librarian for that encounter. Yeah, and while you are currently being the librarian, it's just assumed that your character took a different path down the walls of books and is off on their own somewhere and is not relevant until you go down a floor and then you're relevant again. Yeah, it's it's a very weird, confusing maze of a dungeon, so yeah. whenever you take control, one of the characters just accidentally fucked off somewhere. Yes, and the moment that you switch to being the, the librarian, you are officially, like, antagonistic now. You're not supposed to keep trying to help. You're supposed to be populating the the word dungeon with things that can hurt your your uh, allies. Yeah, your former allies. So, to play the game, you'll make your character. Uh, you will scry a letter, and that can be done in a bunch of different ways. So, you could have, like, a bag of Scrabble tiles yeah. that you pull from. You could have... There are dice that have every letter as a die. I mean, come on. I've got Scattergories. Everyone knows the Scattergories has that 26-sided die with all the, all the letters on it. Yeah, you could use a Scattergory die. Or yeah. they have a chart here for rolling a D66 that, you know, doesn't use, like... Uh, 53 like, through 66. Yeah, it doesn't use a bunch of the options, but they're like, oh, you could put special things in there, I love this or special, just re-roll. I love the special characters concept. Yeah. Like, oh, I, guess, I got an exclamation point. It's great I guess, uh, that means I... Fuck, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I guess it means you can put items into chat as a clickable thing. or you, I, Unless you got an upside-down exclamation point, and then you can say things in Spanish very pointedly. Yeah, but only if I also have a regular exclamation <laughs> point after that. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, hey, you can use the rest of these for special characters, and I'm like, I, I guess if I get like a thorn or an AE or something, I'm going to be grumpy. <laughs> oh, I guess. I guess you could be like, oh, put like... T-H-S-H-S-T, just do like, uh, here's start, because all of them are going to be the start of a word. I got a schlob, I, got, I can only say German stuff. <laughs> oh man, I hate saying German stuff. But yeah, when you make your character, you'll get one letter, which will be the start of your name. 
Uh, you'll then get three letters, which will be your skills. Mm -hmm. And when you take an action, you can do basically any verb that starts with one of your three letters. Uh huh. So if you've got, you know, an A is one of your letters, you're like, oh, I can attack mm -hmm. or I can act. Assault. Yeah, you can do whatever. Aggravate. Any one of those. Pick one. It's fine. I'll annoy this goblin. <laughs> I'll accelerate this situation. <laughs> yeah. So your skills are all just whatever you can come up with that work with that. Yes. Uh, so, you know, kind of handy to either Google up verbs that start with or have a dictionary handy, something like that. Yeah, and then there's a track for what each one of those letters can possibly do during combat. Uh, you act in alphabetical order based on that first letter that you rolled to determine what the name of your character is. Yep. Your attacks deal damage based on your skill and the weapon being used. So if you use an unarmed attack, like you just say, punch for your yeah. P, then you do one damage. But if you use an improvised attack, like if you had the same P and you were like, uh, the pool cue, then you can hit him for two damage. Well, pool cue would be not a verb. You can't pool cue someone. <laughs> the An improvised attack is basically Just... using an action with something that normally wouldn't be do, oh, done okay. with that. Well, then it would be poke with a pool cue. No, you can poke with a pool cue. That's the, fine. The answer is stabbing with a mace, so the example, rather. Yes, because a mace yeah. is a blunt object, and you don't normally stab people yeah. with that. So, so uh, I guess punch with a pool cue, then. Yeah. Two damage. For three damage is if you actually use a weapon, which I find hilarious that... that uh, An armed attack that makes sense. So stabbing with a mace is an improvised attack. Stabbing with a dagger is an actual armed attack. It just makes me uh, giddy to no end that anyone would be presented with a mace and be like, uh, I'll stab with it. I, I, I Just say swing, buddy. Swing starts with S. Well, yeah, but you got it. <laughs> this is all about creativity. I mean, if you had B and you're like, I'll bludgeon with a mace. Great. Good job. But if you can't think of that, and you're like, I'll bonk. I'll beat him with a mace, yeah. I guess. Beat, bonk, bludgeon, b uh, biff. There's All you need is an episode of Batman 66, and you're in the business here. <laughs> but business end of a mace. Yeah, I mean, it mostly just rewards you for being able to use things correctly. Yeah. Uh, now, you can do instant death things. So if you're like, I have S, and I'm going to slay someone, or I have O, and I'm going to obliterate someone, or whatever. Yeah, I've got D. I'll defenestrate them. Uh, well, that wouldn't instantly kill anyone. Yeah, you just throw them through a window. Certainly throw them through a window. Yeah. And then you're done with them. They're through that window, I've, buddy. I figure that would just sort of be an improvised attack. Depends on what floor you're on. <laughs> uh, but you might be thinking, oh, well, if I have S, I'll just slay everything I come against. I'll use each one word. Yep, you can use every... Word once per level. Yeah. So you can slay someone once per level. Yeah. But after you use a word, you can't use the same word. Yeah. But if, baby, if you've got the ability to do multiple versions, like if you have S and O and you're like, I slay, I obliterate, mm -hmm. and I'll use both of those yeah, every I'll level. Just, it'll just keep coming up with more things that work, that work the same. If you've got K, you're in business. I've got A, I'll assassinate someone. Annihilate. Yeah, you're yeah. fine. You get you just do this all day. It it is definitely a game. I played this and I was like, "Ooh, I had to stop myself know, right? from every encounter being like all I had were vowels. Mm -hmm. I had A, E, and O, and every time I was like, I exsanguinate this guy. <laughs> I eliminate him." Yeah, <laughs> I just I had to stop myself from doing that cuz I'm like, 
this is just going to be annoying if every encounter is me blowing up their shit. Yeah. And even then, if you got some good vowels, you're going to be doing the same thing. If so, you're over there with an M, you're like, yeah, I'm going to murder this dude. I'm going to melt him. <laughs> uh, and you can also use those when a thing attacks you defensively. So, you know, if you have a P, you can parry a thing as well. Uh, now, what you will be fighting is then randomly generated with those same scrying letters, but by the librarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll go down levels... Uh, you use Roman numerals because the I, V, and X will determine how many and of what type of thing you have. Yeah. So for each I in the level you are in. So if you're at level three, you would have three regular foes. Yes. Uh, they each have three hit points and all they do is just attack. I do find this amusing because at a certain point... We, at level three, at level three Roman of the dungeon, you have three regular foes. At level four, you have three regular foe. Or so you have one regular foe and an environmental hazard. Uh huh. And then at level five, you just have an environmental hazard. Yep, that's true. <laughs> and level six, you're back to an environmental hazard and a regular foe. <laughs> Makes you wonder if they want to work with that old 1920s Roman numeral variant that Americans used, where four was just four eyes. Ah, uh. but yeah. Um, it does mean that you have kind of an interesting variance of foes as you make your way down. Because for each I, you get a regular foe. For each V, you get an environmental hazard. And for each X, you get a skilled foe. Skilled foes have more HP, and they also have a letter they can use against you. Yeah, they actually have a skill. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when you are trying to progress, you'll also, as the librarian, figure out what's in the place. So you're like, all right, I'll draw a letter to be like, Oh, this place is laid out like a, uh, let's see, I got a G, it's laid out like a grade school. Mm -hmm. Hey, great. <laughs> you know, uh, there's some scenery here. There's an F, there's a, a fart. Fart board is tracking <laughs> someone's farts. Honestly, I never played as the librarian in this. We actually just had someone dedicated doing okay. the running of it. But, man, it would be hard for me not to just be an asshole as well during that. You're like, oh, well, you know, I got a D for the what's in this room. There's a dick. A big old dick. It's just a big dick in the middle of the room. Well, what do you do? Oh, there's an obstacle here. I roll. I got a B. It's a big dick. Uh, <laughs> You're just running through this land of big dicks and butts and farts. <laughs> thanks to John. Just being a real ass. Every time. It's like. Man, it seems like every four levels we come around here, the room we get is real stupid. Yeah, weird, right? And it turns out my character's never there for it, and he doesn't believe you. Every time they go to my character, they're like, dude, we just got out of the weird penis room again. He's like, huh, strange. What do you know? The next room has starts with a P, and John just gets a big old gleam in his eye. <laughs> Ding! <Ew. laughs> a, a P, you say? My options are endless. <laughs> uh, obviously, you're in a play place. <laughs> Full of pussies. <laughs> <laughs> I fucked you. <laughs> so. But yes, as you go down, you'll you'll fight whatever foes are there. Go get through the environmental stuff. At the last room, or when you're about ready to progress down to the bottom of a dungeon, you find a loot pile, which is everybody scrying a letter and getting that letter added to their vocabulary, which they can uh, at any point define. They can say things like, "Oh, I rolled a C." I can say, that's chainmail. Now I have a piece of armor that can take damage for me if I take damage rather than losing a letter. Yeah. So it lets you hold on to things and then just 
figure out whatever you want. So yeah. it, it'll come in handy later, but you can't just hold on to them and never use them because you can only ever have five items. Yeah, but that's important because that's... Remember we were talking earlier about stabbing versus swinging a mace? To have a mace at all, you have to have found an M at one of these loot stages and be like, I define this as a mace. Ah. So that's that. That's how you get... because. Being able to add a noun to your verb requires you to actually own that noun or be able to yank it off a wall or object in the room. Yeah. You uh, have to be able to be like, oh, I need to get this. Yes. So in order to to say things like, I I uh, tie up the monster with my T, they have to be like, your librarian's going to say like, with what? You better hope you have R for rope, yep. or S for string, or T for twine, something. Something. <laughs> you better have some sort of noun on you. Yeah. I mean, that's... It's why... It's interesting because you're like, oh, the first level, you're just going to fight one three hit point guy, and almost assuredly, you will just be doing an instant kill move. Either an instant kill or an unarmed attack, because otherwise you're like, oh, I'm just going to do one damage or murder this guy. Yeah. And then you'll get a noun because every floor gives you the ability to get some loot. You're like, great, cool. Every round, I'll just find something and at least then i'll start doing armed attacks that do three damage each and then i don't need to worry about obliterating a guy because if i just stab with a sword then it he does three damage and regular enemies only have three hit points anyway yeah so there you go so yeah it's it's neat I, i've been working for a long time on a bunch of micro games based around uh, vocabulary creation myself usually using boggle boards is my toolkit so boggle. it's nice to see how someone else is doing this oh yeah and it's it's definitely fun it's nice for me, I'm like, I feel like the good challenge is not you can only use one word per level. You can only ever use one word once. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of that. Largely because once you get a, a set of words down, you're like, well, you're never going to encounter more than three regular foes in any given level. So if you have a killing word for each of for th all three of the letters that make up you, you're not in any danger. You're and doing... the thing is, you have other people at the table. Exactly. If you're playing with four people and someone running it, you're like, oh, great, we got to, I don't know, uh, the 13th room. All right, there's a five-hit-point guy and three three-hit-point guys. All right, well, we all do an auto-murder on all four of them, and we leave. Yeah, exactly. Does that So so hopefully, I, I would prefer playing it in a one-use-ever capacity rather than a one-use-per-level, because once you've got your, like, oh, I've got O and M and D as my letters, and I've decided that they are, uh, you know... A, demolish obliterate and murder and i could just use them every level forever and i don't have to play and even then if you're like oh i have a and i've got a noun you're like all right uh, i picked a noun and i turned it into a weapon you're like i attack with the weapon it does three hit points <laughs> unless i'm fighting a five hit point guy i may as well have an annihilated him and then i've also got annihilate in my pocket if i want that i really hope i find the w in the in the loot pile just so i can say it's a weapon that way i'm <laughs> never improvising my attack with it I poke with my weapon. Well, is that the right way to attack with it? You Probably. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yes, obviously. It's one of those weapons from Final Fantasy VII. Those things are those things will fuck you up. <laughs> I will poke you with ruby weapon. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you don't want that to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is a game that I'm like, I really like. And for a one page, it's super fun uh, because, you know, Jeff and I are those people that are like, we'll sit down and play Scrabble and be real asshole about it. Yeah. It's the kind of thing where you're like, 
No, you should put more caveats on what we can do. Well, the two of us do tend to fall into kind of the lexicographer slash vocabulary asshole types. Yeah. So I, I, like we've talked before about how you cannot legally play encore with the two of us <laughs> and allow us to be on the same team. <laughs> but that's just a different type of random general knowledge. But vocabulary is the same way. I, I, the moment I read this is like, I'm going to need the following additional strictures placed on me or else I will run this. Yeah. That's the problem is you're like, Man, I'm going to be a real asshole until it's my turn to make the dungeon, and then I'm going to make a stupid-ass dungeon, which you will then beat, and then I'll go right back to fucking your dungeon You're over. You're going to be a worse kind of asshole. That said, I liked it. So. Oh, yeah. I, I enjoyed playing it. We had, uh, like I said, we, we ran it with just one person running the dungeon instead mm-hmm. of changing off. There's a lot of ways that you can tweak this to be better for your group. Uh, whether that means having the one GM or making more strictures on what you can and can't do, mm-hmm. upping or lowering the damage of certain things, completely getting rid of the idea that you can just outright murder something. <laughs> there's a lot of... For a, for a one-page game, there's honestly a lot of knobs that you can tweak in here to be like, how different do I want this play experience to be? Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. And as a person who, within the past month, has been made fun of for using words like ersatz... <laughs> I think I'd do just fine here, and so I'm a big fan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it it was definitely like I said, one of those games where I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna not, I'm gonna put my own res- <laughs> restrictions on myself. Got your blinders on. You're like, I'm good, guys. I'm not gonna ruin this for everybody. Yeah, we also didn't do the take turns uh, alphabetically. We were just like, oh, whoever wants to go can do a thing. That way, if anyone's got a cool idea, you can do it. And, and you know, in that case, I appreciate this kind of game even more when it's sort of in that super party vibe flavor like you're playing terrible rpg or dr magnet hands or something oh yeah yeah so so and i'm one of I'm one of our players was like oh i will never attack and would only use things to be like i have s i seduce them yeah because there is an option to always do a social attack of some kind just and enter into a role play scenario with a dm where you're like instead of instead of saying things like i'll ambush them i'll just say i'll ameliorate them they're they're fine everything's yeah. fine Look, I've got I. I intimidate them. Yeah. Like, great, cool. <laughs> and so that was like the name of the game for one of our players. Just, I am never going to do damage. I will only socially mess with them. And what I was like, do- great. I'm just going to defuse the situation. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I got an S earlier in a in a uh, in a loot pool, and I chose the situation. That guy. <laughs> My noun is the situation. You know that guy from from fucking. Jersey Shore, and I'll just defuse him. He is primed to explode. He's ready to explode. I'm going to defuse him in front of everybody as a peace gesture. <laughs> if I roll another S, I'm getting a Snooky. Uh, oh, and I don't think we mentioned it, but anytime you do an action, uh, there is the possibility for failure. A three or greater on a D6, you succeed. A one or a two, you fail. So even if you do say, like, Oh, I obliterate this guy. If you roll a one or a two, you don't. Yeah, that is true. So there is always the option of not being able to do something. Well, there you go. That is a fine game. Yeah. It's a fine game. So, John, uh, I don't really know how we're going to work our current favorites and least favorites against multiple games, but I'm just going to ask you your favorite thing about each of these two games. How about that? Great. Uh, My favorite thing for the... I mean, I was just saying for uh, Like a Rogue... I think my favorite thing on there is that you have such a variable degree of how to play mm-hmm. because you can change, you know, the uh, like how many uh, like people are in charge sure, or sure. Yeah. 
what words you're using or what does what damage. I feel like there's a good way to make that easily change for any given group that you are playing with. All right. Uh, for the Christmas Fallout, I think my favorite thing about that is the fact that it is very roguelite in that you're like, oh yeah, it's just procedurally generated dungeons. You go through, you try to get as much loot as you can before you get murdered. You go back home, you do it again. All right, yeah. Because you fully heal after a night of sleep. Yes. So, good. Yeah, it's neat. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite thing in these games? Uh, my favorite thing about Like a Rogue is definitely how easily it lends itself immediately towards modification. Uh, the moment I read it, I was like, oh, well, if I played this, I'd, I'd apply the following bunch of strictures to myself to make it more interesting. Yeah, so the same so, thing as mine. Pretty much, yeah. Although, uh, I mean, I just like how flexible and fluid it is. Yeah. It looks like an easy game to play. It's, it's a perfect thing to do at a convention kind of deal. So it's, I'm, I'm, it's also one of those things where I'm like, this would be a fun thing to play with kids, too, to try and like get their vocabulary up and be like, what starts with whatever? Like mm -hmm. that's a it's neat that yeah. you could do that. Uh, my favorite thing about like a or, or like a zombie, uh, the other one, like yeah. a, like a Christmas zombie, is uh, <laughs> I like sort of the realistic stuff about how your base gets modified and damaged over time just due to real world circumstances. I thought that was kind of a neat realistic thing. I don't much like it in in practice just because it feels like everything in the game is just like every day the following two shitty things happen to you that that drill your resources down. Also, go into this dungeon and get fucked up by all the zombies because you have no chance. But I did like kind of the concept behind the realism of, of tracking a base in addition to running a game. Hmm. What, uh, what would you say is your least favorite thing about these two games? So, least favorite thing for Like a Rogue, uh, I'd say is... I feel like there should be a better end point to it was one of those things. It definitely feels like in the same vein as a lot of party games that are just like you play until you don't feel like you want to play anymore. Mm -hmm. It It's just like, oh, yeah, for every I you get this and V and then X. And I'm like, okay, but there should be a... Switch mechanic? There should be a mechanic where it's like, this is the boss. This is the actual guy you are trying to fight. Oh, I see. It's yeah. not just, you know, a like a five hit point guy like this is the boss of the thing and he has like you get to draw three letters and he can do three cool things or whatever it is yeah i feel like there should be an end point to the game mm -hmm. even though there sort of isn't but that's that's mostly a preference thing yeah eventually you should encounter like the lichicographer or something like the thing that's eating all the words yeah and get a chance to fight who, it who created the calamity you should go fight them yeah uh for the one page apocalypse I think it just feels, a l I mean, we've talked about how punishing it is, and that's not so bad when you're talking about, you know, a solo dungeon crawler game. You're like, yeah, it can be punishing because, you know, who cares? It's just you. You can redo it if you want to. Yeah. But I think the fact that it's like once you get outside of the first generated dungeon and you start getting into the base building and then coming back and doing it again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it it feels like at that point you've invested because if you're like, oh, I fucked up in the first run and I didn't get out of the apartment building, I'll try again. Sure, fine. But as soon as you get into base building, if you're like, oh, sweet, I've done like three runs, I have a cool base and I've mm -hmm. spent a shitload of resources to make it good and then I run into a room and there's 
four level three zombies and they just destroy my ass. I mean, why didn't you press F5 to quick save? Let me just ask you that real quick. <laughs> why aren't you save scumming your solo RPG game? Who will judge you anyway? Only you. Hey, look, being in trouble is a fake idea. <laughs> I gotta say, we also played the Stardew Valley board game, and being in trouble is a fake idea came up multiple times during that, where I was like, oh, we forgot to do whatever, and I went, no, we didn't. Who cares? Yeah, being in trouble is a fake idea is a quote from Akewood that that we have both used pretty reli- It's like the, the biggest Akewood quote in our day- day-to-day life. Yeah. Take it for a spin sometime. It's great. Playing a co-op game and something fucked up happens, and you just go, you know what? Who cares? Who's going to stop me? Yeah. Being in trouble is a fake idea. Let's just go ahead and do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so that's good. Did you have a least favorite thing about Like a Rogue? Yes, and I already said it. It was the first thing I said. Oh, okay. The, th- there should be a boss. Okay, that's right. I'm sorry. <sighs> sorry. It's okay, man. You're sick. Only a little. You're that, sick in the head. That one was worse than usual for me because I was paying attention and had commentary to what you yeah, said. Yeah, you back and forth to I, me we, on We that. had a back and forth in everything. It wasn't like I was just looking at my computer while you said it. <laughs> These things are warning signs. I got to start keeping track. There you go. So there you go. All right. And your least favorite. Um, I'm going to agree with you on Like a Rogue. I, I also found their generation scry model that only generated that were only like 40 or, or uh, 60% or so of the things you could roll in the dice would give you any letters at all feel like they could have come up with a better die mechanic than just 2d6 rolling his percentile um but yeah otherwise largely i would agree with you the game needs a logical endpoint. uh as for a po- or uh, apocalypse one page whatever one page apocalypse. one page apocalypse volume one christmas fallout uh i'm gonna say i'm i'm gonna make my my uh, biggest complaint about it very easy it's 40 pages long and you're and you use two pages to play it it is in no way a one page anything yeah well so there you go that's not that big of a complaint I'm just saying they could have named it better. That's that's all. <laughs> could have saved you the trouble. Yeah, exactly. So so there you have it. That's my biggest complaint. Nothing about it is one page, despite the name. And my biggest complaint about Christmas Cafe is far too linear. Needs to be more open-ended to be a good roll and write. I would agree with that as well. I didn't even read it, and I'm going to agree with you. Great. Yeah, so there you have it. That's all the games there are to review today. Hooray! What are we going to do in the bonus content? I think we might skip making characters because they're boring. I think what we might do instead, and this is provisionary, John can shoot this down off the air. Yeah, and I'll definitely shoot this down. Is just play a couple dungeon levels of like a rogue with each alternating turns over who's the librarian. Uh, That's my idea. We'll see what actually happens instead after the break. But if uh, until that break, hey, why don't you come support us on Patreon so you can get that bonus content? Why don't you? If you head over to patreon.com slash system mastery, you can find us. You can find all of our many and wondrous podcasts there. And if you support us at any level, you get ad-free content. Ad We've free. started doing ads so you can get an RSS feed with zero ads for all of our podcasts at any level. Mm-hmm. But any level you support us at also comes with more content on top of that. So the base level, the $2 a month, gets you the bonus content. For this show, where we generally make characters in the games review, possibly not this time, mm-hmm. but possibly also maybe this time. Yeah, you never know what we're going to do. Who fucking knows? It's crazy. We hey, can look, do whatever. We're, we're fucking shooting from the hip here. <laughs> we don't know. We have no rules. No one's going to yell at us look, about it. There's no Being rules. Just rolling right. <laughs> hey, look at that. Look at me working shit in. I'll do whatever I want. Being in trouble is a fake idea. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
Uh, and there's more levels you can support us at than this one. The $5 level gets you all the Star Wars bonus content. The $10 level gets you all the TV mastery and the afterthought. And it helps us out a lot and keeps us alive and doing well. That's and right. hey, if you got to find other ways to support us, <laughs> wow, are, is, are those two cookbooks we wrote ever doing great these days? Yeah, you can, you can buy a book. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Those two books, uh, if you searched gifts for nerds all the way through November, December, because that's what Florence was, or my girlfriend Florence was doing for me. For her stocking stuff research, which she was just like, I don't know, he's a nerd. I'll just look up gifts for nerds. And it kept telling her to buy our books for me. <laughs> so well, I'm, so I'm really excited about that. But go find our Dungeon Meister series of books and check them out. They're, they're doing great, and they're a, bigger, they're a big part of our income these days, and they would help us out a lot. We have more of them coming out all the time. And without monetarily supporting us, you can also support us with word of mouth, leaving a review, anything that might help someone else find us. And uh, that'll help the show grow. And then we can capture more people in our web of lies. We need a way to do that nowadays. That your word of mouth helps because Twitter is not going to do the job anymore. Look, your mouth is going to help us a whole lot. Yeah, unless we start all of our tweets with like $8 and the phrase, Dear Elon, I have an honorable idea, huh? then we're, it's just not going to go anywhere anymore. Uh, so, so we Twitter. need your help to get that word of mouth out there the old-fashioned way. What? All right, so otherwise, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you again real soon. I hope you had a good time listening, and I hope you have a good one going forward. Design Doc started as a podcast about designing a role-playing game. Over the years, it's turned into so much more. It's a show about the challenges of burnout, making money from creative projects, and what goes into bringing a game to life. Come along with Hannah and Evan in a living documentation of the game design process. One review described it as the audio equivalent of taking a hike with a good friend. You can search for Design Doc on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.